The following podcast is a conversation between me and the Malaysian comedian Reki regarding freedom of speech, its importance, and should there be things that you should or shouldn't joke about. So please enjoy the podcast. The pretext of all of this was well, you can't say certain things because uh, they're jokes. Uh, they're, even though they're jokes, um, you're just not allowed to because they're sacred or they're... We're talking about religion and you're talking about race and you're doing this in a very critical kind of way, but you're also talking about your own personal experiences. And I think that's kind of why it's so unfair because if you're talking about your own personal experiences, you should be able to talk about that. Right? Yeah. If you're just blasting other people, then obviously people are going to get offended. But I feel like if you're just talking about yourself, yeah. In your own experiences, in your own, you know, traumas over ethnic and religious friction in your own country. Then you kind of are allowed, should be allowed you, to say really whatever the hell you be. want to. You ought to be. Yeah. You ought to be. Because, because here's the thing. You're not saying anything that people don't already know. Like when Rizal Van Giesel talked about his... His, his religious teacher saying that all of his non-Muslims are go to hell. That's just the thing that happens. And a lot of people on Twitter were like, yeah. They a lot do of say, say, yeah. say that, yeah. But they don't like you saying it out loud. They will say this this phrase that you're exposing people's flaws. That's the, the fault, right? Yeah. But you're never going to improve if people don't speak the truth. No. So in that sense, I think, you know, you need to have some freedom of speech. You don't have to like what people say, and you should speak out if you don't like how what people say, but you can't. But unless they're so inflammatory and so hateful that, you know, they're essentially encouraging yeah. uh, people to do acts of violence on behalf of something terrible like race or religion, you know, then, then you should be you sh you should be allowed to say what you feel. I think the but thing the thing that kind of gets me about the freedom of the speech, and specifically in terms of jokes, mm. is the fact that well, I do at times think okay, should should it be actually allowed to be laughed at a certain certain subjects be made laugh, mm. made, made, made fun of, sorry, right. having brain farts, because the, the, it's not because you shouldn't talk about it, it's because sometimes something are held sacred, mm. and maybe the, having that kind of a strict thing regarding you're not allowed to joke about mm. something sacred, is actually comes from a point of strength in a society. Mm. Granted, I'm not talking about the case that happened here in KL, right. the Rizal, and, uh, and uh, joking that he did uh, that, uh, or the event that the, well, what, what was there, the, the couple who took, took, the lady who took off her clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, she was wearing a hijab, and then she took off her hijab, and underneath there was party clothes, and a comedy stage. Yeah. I'm not specifically talking about that, but as in general, like this is my mythological part, as my psychological part, because I was looking at Lee Kuan Yew and Singapore, you mm. know what they really implemented, and you were not really allowed to make joke about Lee Kuan Yew mm. as a prime minister, right? 
And at first you were like, well, what the fuck? Right. Well, you shouldn't, you should be able to, you, you want to make fun of the big guy. Right. But at the same time, there was an idea that comes in and his idea was very much the same is that because he, he wasn't doing it out of ego. He was doing it out of the fact that you should hell, making jokes about something would diminish it and would make something small. Right. It's a, one of the easiest way to like explain to people because if you make them laugh at something that they shouldn't, yeah, it suddenly goes from an elephant to a mouse. Right. It's such a very in, interesting effect mm, is, there is with making laughter, uh, making a point through laughter. Right. But at the same time, I understand is like his his position was like I'm the leader of the nation right. and I have a duty and he believed it was a sacred duty mm-hmm. to make Singapore one of the best countries to live in and then one of the power like one of the powers of the world a right. first world country a land that doesn't have anything mm-hmm. so therefore he said no joking about me because I have to have that mythology in a sense around me have that kind of a ca- charisma or something around me mm-hmm. otherwise people will not take me as seriously as they should well to me that sounds like a very pathetic excuse because you're already the leader of a country you have the authorities at your beck and call yeah you have no opposition and no. don't <laughs> tell me that you have opposition you he doesn't you, he you never don't really have, have if there was an opposition he fucking like right. got rid of them but and if even if you do if they speak out on something they think is the truth they get sued for libel until they go bankrupt which, yeah very interesting know, tactic very interesting tactic most humane tactic i've seen well you know, it depends. In a country that's hyper-capitalistic, losing all your money is basically a death sentence. So uh, make, of, point. <laughs> make of that what you will. I I just don't see any difference between him and any other dictator other than the fact that he was good at his job. Insanely good at his job. That's the only difference, right? And at that point, most, most people in a country like that are, are fine with not having any free speech if they can be fed at the end of the day. Yeah. And, it, and I can't concede the idea of people don't care about your first world issues if you can't get fed at the end of the day. But you're not like that anymore. No. At least not in Singapore. Yeah. Right? I feel like if you're a leader who can't tolerate being made fun of, it's, it really says something about you as a human being mm. and the kind of leader that you are. Mm. At some point, I don't care that you're efficient because I know a person that is this thin-skinned is emotionally volatile Mm. and will lash out at somebody that they know they can't control. Mm. And that can become very dangerous. In my personal opinion, Singapore just got lucky. With Lee Kuan Yew? Yeah, a thousand percent. That's the thing. But he can still sue you into the poorhouse. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they right. do. But the thing is, is continuing on with this, is that, well, my take on the Kuan Yu, you kind of differs. Yeah. I, I kind of saw it as what he meant by the symbol that he has. Right. And not being taken seriously or not being diminished as the position, because again, it goes from an elephant to a mouse. It's something that's not acceptable. And again, there's like, Another country, another, there was this book called Gates of Fire, which is about uh, the battle between the Persians and the Greeks. Right. It's a fictional take on it, but a lot of it are based on the actual event. Right. Uh, fictional take as in like, 
it takes you as the person inside the story. Right. But also it refers to a very interesting group within Greece who were actually a secret, like kind of like the secret police mm. of the time. And they were, nobody knew who they were, nobody would see them coming, but they just knew there were these people existed. Mm. What their job was, if that it was that if anybody made fun of the idea of Spartan, if anybody made fun of Greece right. or the Greek ideology right. and what Greece is about, slowly, uh, one night they just disappear. Well, yeah. That group would go and then done. Sure. That was their whole functionality. Right. It's to keep that idea as strong as possible and also hold it as a, other, at a more higher mm. state because maybe making fun of something would actually bring it down too much at times. It could mm. be actually make things not be taken as seriously as they should be. Mm. Yeah, I'm walking a very... In, uh, my take is, as I said, is like kind of like in a very... Uh, I would even say alchemical way of looking at it because mm -hmm. I'm seeing like position of a prime minister, position of a king mm -hmm. are the closest things to being position of a god. Mm -hmm. And being made fun of that is that psychologically in the union psychology is that it's like you take that great archetype and you diminish it. Mm -hmm. And when it's diminished, when it shouldn't be diminished, it would bring, create some sort of a weakness. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm looking at. It's like some, some ideas, some things yet shouldn't be made fun of. Mm -hmm. but I like, I, it's not that I'm saying you shouldn't because, hey, I'm the first person who would be making fun of something. I would do it. But it has started a question in my head, reading about the effects of these archetypes, the effects of these titles mm -hmm. and the joke about it what effect the joke itself has mm -hmm. on the matter itself mm -hmm. and sometimes like hmm, should should you should you actually do it or not well i've got several interesting takes on this number one is the idea that comedy can diminish authority right like like in a snap right a lot of people like to think that these comedians want to believe that we're speaking truth to power when we're doing comedy but uh, John Stewart mm. went on The Daily Show, right, and he essentially said, we have not changed anything. <laughs> we, we, you think we're affecting change? We have not done a single goddamn thing to actually change things for the better, right? You could argue that a protest song is, is memorable, and you can say that, but making jokes about authority, unfortunately, doesn't really change authority. All it does is relieve pressure that people have for things that they already know about the power structures that they're already in. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes humor can be a really good camouflage for a leader who's dangerous. Yeah. George W. Bush is a perfect example of this. Because the whole time we thought he was an idiot. And anytime he screwed up, he was like, I'm just a little goofy guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's what he was. Yeah, but at the same time, when you just, when you can't take a character like that seriously, you neglect the fact that he is bombing the, the Middle East to the ground. Yeah. And that's when that, that's when it, it turns on you instead. You think you're speaking truth to power, but really what you're doing is 
sometimes in some places you're just camouflaging people that are really bad. Yeah. You know, you sometimes you can make fun of people and they'll take it on the chin and it doesn't change the fact if they're good or bad. Right. Mm. If you got a good leader, you got a good leader. If you got a bad leader, you got a bad leader. Making fun of them. If they're a good leader, they'll take it and just move on. They might take it, they move on. They might sue you into the poorhouse like Lee Kuan Yew, but at the end of the day, they'll be a good leader. Yeah. Bad leaders don't go away just because you make fun of them. It hurts their feelings. Yeah. But it doesn't change the fact that they can send a death squad after your family. <clears throat> That's what I learned watching Hassan Minaj, The King's Gesture, recently. Oh, I don't know that. So that's a Netflix special by Hassan yeah. Minaj recently called The King's Jester. And he talks about, you know, he can't stop making fun of authority figures because the amount of praise that he gets from doing it is so addictive that it's become part of his identity. Oh, that says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes, it becomes so, so, uh, so addictive that he keeps pushing the boundary of of what he can do to the point of he's antagonizing Saudi Arabia right at their embassy. Really? <laughs> yes. And he's lying to his wife that he's not doing it. Oh. And this goes on and on. And then what happens is that he goes to Saudi Arabia, then it's the CCP. Next thing you know, it's just one dictatorship after another, Bolsonaro. It's yeah. nonstop, right? And it's not just speaking to truth to power. If you're an attention-stopped person like Hassan, you're doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your own ego. And one day, he walks his baby in a pram. He opens up a letter because he wants the feedback. He's addicted to the, the praise. Yeah. But when he rips the letter open, white powder spills up and, and it spills all over his baby. Right? And now they're freaking out. He sends the, sends the kid to a hospital. It was fake, but the doctor was like, Mr. Minaj, how did you get this? Because you're lucky this is fake, but this stuff this doesn't come out of nowhere. Who have you been antagonizing? And at that point, Hassan Minaj is like, uh, everyone? I've been antagonizing everyone. That right? really happened? That, that In his special, he said it really happened. Shit. Yeah. You should watch it if you like both comedy and politics. And Is he the Egyptian guy? No, no, he is the... Sorry. I have no idea who he is. He's the Indian Muslim dude who's one of the correspondents for The Daily Show. Ah, until okay. he can, Until he became, uh, created the Patriot Act. Oh, all right. And in the special, he says he, he called it the Patriot Act because when he was a kid, his mosque got infiltrated by a fed that everybody was like, ah, oh, it's not a fed. He's just a guy who wants to convert. Uh -huh. And then the next thing you know, he's being pushed down on a cop car with handcuffs, mm -hmm. right? Under the Patriot Act. Right? It wasn't even a Fed, it was a known criminal they were using as an informant, <laughs> right? So he called it, he called his show the Patriot Act despite the authorities who, you know, treated him like a terrorist, even though he was just a kid. That's interesting. So we talk about comedy as speaking truth to power, but sometimes, you know, there's only so much you can do yeah, it's when you say it actually hurts the person's feeling and he will fuck you up, and yeah. that's very much of a truth to it. It's like in case of Trump, right? He would not take any sort of like, even in his roast, 
Yeah, uh, Jeff Ross was saying his his first thirty minutes of roast, people were uncomfortable, right? Because whenever they made jokes of him, granted, it was one of the lightest roasts ever, right? We could tell that were even though people were making jokes of him, and this was before he was president, they were still sucking up to him because we see he was a rich guy. Sure, he had a lot of power. He still had a lot of power. He still had enough money. Even if he's not a billionaire, he still has like he's a millionaire yeah. at least. And uh, and this, he said like the first thirty minutes, he whenever people made joke of him, he didn't laugh at one joke. He would just like sit straight. He was, yeah, he would just chuckle a little he, bit. Like not that. even chuckle. Like apparently he wasn't even giving them that. And mm-hmm. until Jeff Ross walked up to him in the commercial break and mm-hmm. said, "Hey man, you need to." Loosen up a bit. Yeah, because you're not making... You need to just take it. Yeah. And you need to give right. it back. And it's like, I like I like him. I like Jeff. What was that? Oh, we're getting haunted. Don't worry about no, it. The lights flicker. The lights flicker. It's a house full of spirit masks. Mm-hmm. What you expect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your second floor, man. is the eyes white shot party of yeah, masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking uh, hell, dude. Yeah, <laughs> no. Like, fuck. Um, so, but Jeff Ross is like he said like even when he did not go to his um, uh, White House correspondence dinner like right after right uh, right after you become president apparently right. there's a dinner a comedian comes and makes yeah. fun of you blah 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 everybody eats haha blah blah that's it yeah um, that was the first time nobody had that yeah. Jeff Ross was trying to convince him was like dude this is unhealthy for you you should go out there and right. take it. And to some degree, I think even Trump was like agreeing because he's like most people to suck up to him. Like right. he could tell like this guy's actually, but he still didn't go through with it because he wasn't his ego wasn't letting him. Right. Uh, the fact that is like the, but then it goes to that whole thing is that maybe some things are might like you say like okay, Lee Kuan Yew, if you made fun of him, you would he will sue you, blah blah blah. Yeah. Not make fun of him, but if you're opposition to him. But you're not allowed to make a joke of it. Or if there's a particular ideology, be it religious, be it patriotic. In the case of the Gates of Fire is the idea of Greece. Mm-hmm. In case of uh, some Middle Eastern countries is Islam, for mm-hmm. example. Um, or in case of what do they call uh, a very famous Afghan tribe that they have an honor code, mm-hmm. like major honor codes. Mm-hmm. And you're not allowed to. The honor code is like, if you're in need, I have to help you regardless of my life. And right. if somebody, somebody from the tribe actually make fun of it, yeah. they would caned. Right. It's because like, and they take that honor code like seriously. Yeah. Seriously, and you're like, wow, all right. So, but that's that's the difference. Is like there are some assholes like Trump who you should like be able to like say whatever the fuck you like. But then there's certain things that if they're working with the system, should not be diminished if it's like still benefiting the people in some mm-hmm. sense but that's just my take on it is like if an idea is serving something mm. serving something good to a certain degree uh it's, even if it's not perfectly but just good enough that is actually serving and trying to create something maybe it shouldn't be diminished in terms of being being maybe it shouldn't be made fun of or being joked about actually should be praised and try to be collaborated with 
I mean, you have people who do that. They're called the the Democratic Party, <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, they're seen oh, as yeah. very, very ineffectual because all they do is keep giving concessions to Republicans, and oh, yeah. at the end of the day, they just don't really because. At their core, they're basically conservatives who who aren't who like to take pictures with black babies. Yeah, that's yeah, the only that's, difference. That's pretty much the yeah. That's pretty much the only difference. Yeah. My main concern with comedy is that ultimately it's amoral, right? Not immoral, but rather it has no moral standing. You know, mm -hmm. you have to make a distinction between the comedian and the comedy, right? Mm -hmm. Because as a comedian, the comedy that you make is going to be a reflecting reflection of you. Mm -hmm. And so if you have very, very strong beliefs, it's going to reflect in your comedy. Yeah. But you can take the same tools and use them in a different way. Um, there is a YouTuber called CJDX, and he did a very long YouTube essay on Bo Burnham. Mm. And Bo the, the singer? Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Bo Burnham. CEO, entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah that guy. He's lampooning Jeffrey Bezos there, right? Yeah, pretty much. Jeffrey Bezos hasn't lost a single dime nope. from getting lampooned by Bo Burnham. And Bo Burnham knows this. Bo Burnham, when he was much younger, went on to some talk show and talked about how he's very concerned about how the young people are online because they are been they have been trained to, you know, use the online space as a means with which to develop both the personality and to sell it. Yeah. But the other people who are doing that now are politicians because when you think about how Donald Trump got into power, he it, made fun of everybody. He, he kind of started out as a meme. Donald Trump started out as a running gag because Simpsons predicted it, what I say. Right, right? Because it just seemed like such a hilarious thing to to joke about. No one would take it seriously. You would, you know, and because of that, he won. Yeah. Because there's something about the like postmodern irony of the state of the world mm. where if you joke about it hard enough, it can eventually come true. Most comedians want to believe that for the better when they're, you know, taking the piss out of like an authority figure that they believe should be toppled. But you forget that that, if you believe that that's true, it can also be co-opted by the other side and then be used to camouflage dangerous people's true intentions until they get into power. And it's the same tactic that they use, that is the same tactic that George W. Bush stumbled upon. Yeah. Right? Because he's so silly, he couldn't possibly be dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And the same was true with Donald Trump. He's so silly, he couldn't possibly be dangerous. The case of Trump, the thing was, the, the thing that happened was, I, and I firmly believe this, is that when he came to power, when he actually started running, mm. yeah, he was joking and not joking, much more like snapping back at anyone who would snap at him in, mm -hmm. in, 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 a, not in a pretty way. Mm -hmm. And he was very unapologetic, which was a very, it was a bit of a fresh, bit of a fresh air for people mm -hmm. like in America. In the case of him become coming to power, joking actually about him mm -hmm. made him the president. Yeah. The, but the problem was, I think it was it came from resentment more. Right. It, rather than it being like in a fun manner, yeah, it was yeah. more like um, Stephen Colbert. 
Uh, who's a who's an African dude? Who has an afro now? The uh, Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah. Right. Uh, John Stewart. Last days of him. Uh, mm-hmm. In his last days. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon like, at, the, at the end of the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, and um, the other, whatever hell his name is, is that uh, all the late nights, basically. Mm-hmm. I was telling my friend, I said, they are everything that this guy is doing. Mm-hmm. He's saying the things that people want to hear. Yeah. What is it? I'll bring down taxes, I'll bring the jobs from, from take the jobs away from the Mexicans and right. give it to the Americans. And I will make everything made in America, and I stop giving money away. Mm. Everybody find that cool. I'll have no more jobs in China. We gonna build stuff here. Yeah, and people are like, that sounds awesome. Mm. Now mm. imagine I'm a truck driver. Every night I'll go home tired as fuck. Yeah, and I turn on the TV, and I have a. In this case, the comedian mm. turned into a schmuck mm. to a normal human to a to somebody who is minimum wage, yeah, just trying to get by. That's when you're no longer the person, you're no longer a comedian, bringer of joy and laughter and yeah. sarcasm to relieve your frustration. Yeah. You became the source of frustration for right. people. Because now you're, I'm a truck driver, tired as fuck, I can have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to take the goods from one state to another mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at you wearing a suit and tie, looking at me going like, Look what Trump did again. Oh, look at him. Like anything that Trump one time stumbled from walking down the stairs yeah. just once. It became a headline for them all day, every day. He tweeted something with a misspelled something. People were like giving him shit and all that. It's now looking at them and they're like telling me that they know better than I do. Mm-hmm. And that Hillary is the way to go. Yeah. I'm going to go to the voting booth. Maybe even before that, I thought about voting to Hillary. And I go to there and I'm like, you know what? Fuck you, yeah, I'm going to vote Trump. Well, yeah, because that's what I'm saying. Comedy is immoral, right? Yeah. It, it really depends on... It really depends on your intention of what you're trying to say, your political intentions or whatever, or your grievances, your anxieties or yeah. whatever. And if you can do that, then you'll reach everyone. Mm-hmm. Or you can use it as a political tool, but if you do it carelessly, you can end up making the person look too relatable. Yeah. Right? Because at some point, you look at Trump and you look at the things that people say and make fun of him. Again, he looks too harmless to be dangerous. Mm. Right? But at the end of the day, being too harmless to be dangerous is will also help with the fact that he is telling me things I want to hear. Mm. Which, to be fair, is also another trick in comedy that we use all the time. Mm. We do things on the stage where we tell people things that they're too afraid to speak about. Yeah. We do this with comedy all the time. Yeah. When I when I was talking to you the just a minute ago and I was talking about Comedians will never be as well respected as musicians because nobody has ever fucked to a joke. Yeah. Right? Beautiful bit. It is. It's not just that it's funny, but it's true. Immediately, like the second you say it, it's like a puzzle piece fit perfectly in a grand scheme of things in my head. And if you Jim Bubba from 
Arkansas who needs to drive for 19 hours a day yeah. on meth just so you don't crash the truck yeah because this is the best job that you can get because the economy won't let me and you know i am i i take pride in the fact that i'm working myself to death right because i i'm a man and i have to feed my family some it doesn't matter if it's a glorified used car salesman from used jersey with a bad wig who's telling me me a bunch of lies i probably know at the back of my head are not are not even that believable yeah i would much rather vote for this dude than for a bunch of other people that look like they're lying all the time hillary clinton looked like she was lying all, all the, the time. time the the supreme court has this one black judge who i can't remember his name right now but he was in an episode of hmm? <laughs> What? 50 Cent. 50 Cent? Yeah, yeah. Black Judge the 50 Cent. The only thing, uh, name the first black guy that comes to your head. <laughs> oh, uh, for me, it's, uh, it's, uh, Denzel Washington. <laughs> Denzel Washington. That's an intense charge. No, no, that's, that one I come to. Now, <laughs> come on now. This court ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> Denzel Washington's for everyone, people, not just for, for ladies and gays. Um, <laughs> beautiful chocolate, man. Uh, <laughs> no, no, because I remember I, this was on an episode of Behind the Bastards, right? This other podcast I listened to, and he talked about how when he was rising up, he wanted to get successful very quickly because he came from an incredibly poor neighborhood. Yeah, and he was middle class when his he was raised by his granddad, but his granddad was highly conservative mm -hmm. socially, anyway. Even though his politics was liberal. But he didn't want to do black issues, mm -hmm. right? Now, he was a radical leftist in college, but then he became a conservative because he just wanted to be successful, mm -hmm. right? He was so tired of like, I'm not getting anywhere. Yeah. I will never, you know, you know, and it's like he joined, I think he said he joined the Republican Party because it was slightly more refreshing to be around white people who were openly racist. Mm -hmm than with Democrats who were racist, but with a fuck you smile. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of people who voted for Trump was like, at least he's honest. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Most people were saying the very same thing. Like we, all, we all know our politicians are scumbags, but at least this one is telling you what it is. Is, is like, an openly yeah. grotesque human being, right? Yeah. At least I can. The thing about Trump is that I feel like most people could work with him far better than could have worked with a Democrat. Was right. for the very same reason. Yeah. Is that hey look I'm an asshole and these are my parameters. Right. If you you can't work with these parameters with a Democrat, they will not say oh I'm not I'm a I'm a good human being who cares for such and such and no, such. No 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 no. You're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. You're. Your son is in Ukraine, yeah, getting blown by hookers and smoking meth. I mean, <laughs> yes, it's, and then you think about what comedians do, what we do. We go on the stage and we and we lay it all out there. I have twenty five minutes of jokes about me just being fat. Yeah, because you can't ignore the issue, right? My opening line is, "Let us address the elephant in the room." Me, motherfuckers, I am the elephant in the room. Don't look at me all polite shit like you're trying to pretend like I like nothing's wrong with me, you know. Yeah. 
You know, I just haven't seen my dick in years. Shut, shut the fuck up. My relationship with my penis is like an alcoholic stepdad. I beat it every now and then. And for Christmas, I give it a little, a $5 bill and a card. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. Jesus. But, an alcoholic stepdad, yeah, that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. But, but the thing is, that's, a, that's pretty refreshing to a lot of people because they're all tense up. And they can all see it, but they can't see it, so you'll say it for them. And it takes away the awkwardness. And that's what Trump did. They took away, they took away their awkwardness because you just let them say what they want to say. Yeah. Right? And that's when, and I, it's not strictly comedy, but I do believe what Bo Burden said, that in a way, us comedians, we, we taught him that. Mm-hmm. That's when it's dangerous. You, you you have this immense source of power, comedy, right? Yeah. Right. It might as well be a character in Sandman, right next to death, destiny, and desire. The comedian. There should be a, a comedian called, and his name is Duh, or whatever, you know? <laughs> Something that's red, rhymes with D. Dick joke. That's right. One of the endless is called Dick joke. Yeah. Right. Because comedy is such, is this impossibly powerful subversive thing. Yeah. Right. It changes one thing to another and you mm-hmm. don't expect it. That's the whole point of comedy. It, like, it turns an elephant to a mouse. Right. One of the best things, like, it's a pretentious thing, but it stuck with me. He said, uh, there's multiple languages, but everybody laughs the same way. Exactly. And I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, right? that's weird, isn't it? I told people for this talk once, it's like, it's, the first joke you ever learn is peekaboo. Yeah. Because it's a setup and a punchline. You cover your face, you open your face, and the baby laughs. Mm-hmm. It's the first joke that any human being learns mm-hmm. is to be surprised at something you didn't expect, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, there's uncertainty and maybe a little bit of fear. You can't see Dada's face anymore. Mm-hmm. Where did Dada's face go? Mm-hmm. And then is mm-hmm. oh, there's Dada's face. <laughs> I feel better again. <laughs> you know, the baby. Where's the baby? <laughs> and it's just, and the, from the time we are born to the time we die, we're basically the same baby in the crib. It just takes more effort to figure out how to hack that little bit of the human brain that laughs at shit we don't expect, right? Yeah. And that's it, that's a fundamental thing about, you know, being, like, even being remotely sentient. Like, we appreciate being surprised in present pleasant ways. In some, in, but it doesn't care about you, personally. No. I learned this the hard way when I was doing comedy. You can't just go up on the stage and expect to be consistent when all you have is the force of your personality and how quirky you are. It can work, but eventually you're gonna run out of steam. So now you're gonna go back and you have to do the graft of actually writing down your shit and practicing it and rehearsing it and then knowing what it is. And I think the hard truth for me was coming to terms with the fact that comedy is actually a pretty simple mechanical thing. There's a thing that you say and a thing we don't say. You want to, and then, and there's this thing you say and another thing that you say and the other thing is unexpected and we're all like, haha, right? Yeah. It's a very simple mechanism. Yeah. And if you can't get that, you'll never be funny. Yeah. If you look at Anthony Jesselnik's new stand-up comedy. Yeah. He, his jokes are basically the structure of a joke. Yeah. Um, like, the basic structure of a joke, yeah. you see the left turn. Yes. Like he says something and he does a left turn. He yeah. says something and, and he, he does, does a left turn. turn. And every time he gets you, because every yeah. time it's just, it's better and it's yeah. better and better. 
But it's a very simple mechanic. It's very simple. As long as you keep the components, change the components to something that makes sense. Yeah. I I was at a of like a, a bama shop, you know, like a greasy spoon diner mm-hmm. sort of situation. And I got there at midnight after we after I was, you know, looking at a couple of shows, two shows happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was going to both. And because of that, there was a whole bunch of people there. Everybody's gonna be there. So I went over. I'm like, I'm gonna die doing this. It is so late and I'm still getting dinner fucked. And I stayed until 3 a.m. And you know why? Wow. Because at some point of the of the meetup, we were just telling each other stupid street jokes. Yeah. In Tagalog. So my friend Brian, he's going through he's going through a Twitter of like best Pinoy jokes. And the other two Filipinos are translating. But what's really enjoyable is watching them burst out laughing and then ex- and then translate it for us. And then now we're bursting out laughing. <laughs> and this goes on for two hours, man. Two hours. Like a, like a gaggle of complete brain-dead idiots. We're just laughing at the dumbest jokes. Like, I'll, I'll give you one, right? Sure. Uh, uh, I got some bad... The doctor says to the patient, I got some bad news. Um, you only have... You, you're you're going to die in five. And I said, five? Five what? Four. Three. <laughs> two. <laughs> Uh, it's such a stupid job. And then cuts like a calm down. Ah, that's such a brilliant joke. The the the, the one I found was there's another one of like two criminals, right? <laughs> Criminal one is going, hey, you sure the target is supposed to be here, the one we're supposed to off. Right. Are you sure he's going to be here? Yeah. And the criminal, the other criminal is like, yeah, he's supposed to be here, but it's been a while since he showed up. I hope no one, nothing bad has happened to him. <laughs> yeah, I heard that with the Hitler. Right, like, yeah. The Jews were going to kill the Hitler. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, fine, he's like, he's not here. I hope he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> so sad. So stupid, right? Yeah. And that's that, that's the thing about comedy. There is, it's it's this the structure is very simple. Yeah. So it as its own force doesn't have any obligation to care about your politics. You can sometimes you think you've got it on your side and you're making jokes about Trump all day long. Oh, his hands are very small. He's he stumbled through. You know, he stumbled down the stairs, but eventually he's doing so much crazy shit yeah. that the guys trying to make fun of him are exhausted and they can't keep up anymore. Yeah. And you know why? Because Donald Trump will, was much funnier, yeah. you know, step by step than the actual comedian was. Yeah. You can't keep up with him. They couldn't keep up with him. And at one point, they were like just making fun of They were just like, look what he said today. And right. Just look at it like, if there was an audience laugh, would this be would it be funny? No, no. because Paul he heard like every day his show was just purely about Trump. He fucking had a cartoon, yeah, made for him. He was sniffing Tic Tacs or yeah. Tic Tacs. It's like, but you're not doing anything, are you? Because people no. were happy with him on the until the COVID thing hit, right? But then now, if you look at it now, people miss him. People are gonna vote for him again in twenty twenty four. 
I'm a hundred percent sure in number one he will win if he will, comes back on twenty twenty four because Biden happened to be the real joke. Yeah, because they're like forty billion dollars given to them, and the, the guy doesn't even remember he's the president. Well, see, here's the thing about Biden. <laughs> my personal opinion. Yeah, he's sub George W. Bush funny, right? So he's almost as amusing, but not amusing enough. Yeah, that's true. His only shtick is that he's old and that he ro- massages people and likes to sniff their hair. You know, yeah. Uncle Biden's being a little creepy again. Yeah, of the dosage. Yeah, his kid, his son has his name uh, saved as pedophile Pete. Oh, jeez. In his phone, so, so he calls him pedo Pete Colin. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, look, I don't. But yeah, he, he's using likes ice cream, and that's it. But the, but that's just the thing, though, isn't it? There's nothing else. There's zero. There's Everything not... there was is gone now with his dementia. Like, here's the thing: if he was funnier, he'd get more votes. I I speak purely as a comedian. If he was yeah, funnier, he or if he was more, if he was more balls off the wall, he'd get yeah. more votes, right? Yeah. Because here's the thing: all of us comedians like to believe. That if you can speak truth to power, the world will get better. But it's not true. Yeah. If you ask me personally, I was listening to Bill Burr recently, right, mm-hmm. talking about politics, and he and he was like, at the end of this, I think it was a tweet mm-hmm. or like a comment or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, or it might have been his podcast. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, he talked about how when you think about it, the nicest, most you know, benevolent president that America ever had was Jimmy Carter, the peanut farmer. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, look, think about this, okay? <laughs> He's remembered for being sort of ineffectual and weak. Yeah. Right. But when he retired, what does he do? He buy. He, he's building houses for the homeless. Ah, uh, yeah. See, oh, I, my comment came from a, as an Iranian right. standpoint because we were at the butt end of his policies. Right. He he, he was the guy who pulled the pin on ass fucking of Iran in 1979. I put it to you: was most likely Henry Kissinger who was like Henry Kissinger. Whisper, whisper, whisper. Yeah. You should fuck up Iran. Whisper, whisper. And yeah. Jimmy Carter, he's like, okay, fine, yeah. I'll do it. Right. Just a peanut farmer. Yeah, just a peanut farmer. Fuck you. If he was under any uh, control of any other administration, he would be harmless. Yeah. Right? He'd just be taking care of America and not caring about geopolitics. But unfortunately, it's the Cold War and the White House is full of hawks. Yeah. So what are you going to do? All right. But I look at Jimmy Carter and I'm like, you're just a nice man. You had no business being the president. Right, mm-hmm. but but fair point. But it's like, but you look at a leader like that, and you think to yourself, we kind of hate him because he, he let a bunch of terrible things happen geopolitically, yeah, and domestically in America, he was just like a, a nothing burger, right? And I think about there's nothing like about his. Uh, Domestic policies that no. I remember. You no. everything about him is about what he did to the rest of the world. Yeah, and even then, it's like it didn't stop when he left. No, it it, it carried on. Yeah, like it was a start. He's the he's the one. Yeah, and the rest were two, three, four. Just kept going after that. That's that's just the thing, right? That's the problem. You can make jokes about Jimmy Carter all you want, but it didn't stop the actual system from moving on. No, and I think that's the problem. Hasan Minaj can make fun of 
NBA is all he wants. Yeah. But Saudi Arabia is still going to keep marching on. He can make fun of Modi all he wants, but Modi is still going to keep marching on. CCP is going to keep marching on. It doesn't make a difference. No. The only, the only job we have is to make other people feel better about shit we already know. Just make the pain a little bit easier. Exactly. I have told my friends when I started this that comedy's power is the ability to transmute pain into laughter. Yeah. Right? But I specifically mean laughter. Not joy, not happiness, just laughter. Because it is a band-aid on cancer. I know Very this. Much. I know this. I know that at the end of the day, I might not be able to achieve anything. Other than maybe after I'm dead, people will look back at my legacy and go, he did kind of say, I told you so. Right? We're the violin players on the Titanic as it is going down. Pretty much. Just trying to make it a little bit easier. For yeah. But that's that's kind of how you should approach comedy. Don't think about yourself or like the greater good or whatever. Look at your audience. Are they in pain? Mm-hmm. Well, if they're in pain, you probably should do something about it because they pay you a lot of money, money motherfucker. <laughs> they pay you money to get... That's money that they got from a nine-to-five job working for a shitty boss, working through traffic, putting up with spoiled kids, and they pay good money yeah. to come to come to a shopping mall yeah. in the middle of Kuala Lumpur, right? To, to, listen, to, you. to listen to me talk about fat jokes. Just and so they can enjoy it. Just so they can enjoy two hours of just forgetting the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking it, isn't it? And for me, we, we talked about freedom of speech before, and I honestly feel like denying people freedom of speech is particularly cruel because you deprive them even of that. Yeah. Like, nothing we can say as ordinary people are going to change the fact that King... King shit of fuck mountain is still going to be there yeah. fucking up our lives, you know? Yeah. At least let us say what we want. Because that's all we're asking for. Because we're doing it in the privacy of our own homes anyway. We are paying we are paying money to an unemployed person mm-hmm. to tell them to tell us shit we already know. It possibly on a uh, possibly highly damaged on a yeah. person. A, pos- a very, very ruined man. With a possible addiction. <laughs> yes, with definitely with an addiction. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. You know. We've all seen Robbie Williams. Come on now. Yeah. We've all we uh, oh, and it's and and you don't even let us have that. It's okay. When I was at the the shows, couple yeah. of shows, right? As that was happening, there was a drag show at Rex KL. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love Rex KL, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Rex KL is lovely. It's right? one venue that I look at nowadays every weekend. Yeah. For some reason, cool stuff are happening there. And the venue is pretty good. Well, you're going to hate... Quit, quit, quit. Well, you're going to hate what I'm going to tell you next. What the fuck happened? Because Rex, K is, Rex KL got rated less, you know, just yesterday. Ah, uh, for the drag show. Yeah. But anyway, when you said the drag show, I was like, okay, hell? Yeah. Because <laughs> I was, I know there was well, ask any, ask any, here, but like. Ask all of the queer people here, all the queer folk here. Everybody talks about pot pong, everybody talks about Bangkok drag shows being good, right? Yeah. Because they're allowed, and it's a lot to them. Yeah. But no, KL has got really good drag shows, great performance value, and you know, just amazing performers, right? Yeah. 
but you can't talk about it and you won't hear about it because every time it happens, it gets raided. And you know why? One of the goths in the scene told me that the authorities have figured out that Halloween is peak season for drag shows. <laughs> peak season. Yeah, it's yeah. peak season. When they come it's, out of that. Yes, yeah, spooky lady boys. Well, do it, yeah. whatever. And it, because of that, it's also a way to like persecute transgender people because that's what it'll be, right? Do they get prosecuted in Malaysia? They won't get prosecuted under secular law, but then the religious authorities will, put, will pull them in a van and then you, you don't see them again for a couple of days. Ah, shit. Unless you got a lawyer that bails them out. And if they're not Muslim also, do they still No, be... specific... Well, if they're not Muslim, they just let you off, right? Okay. Yeah. But if you're Muslim, you're fucked. Yeah, you are. Yeah, that's for right. sure. <laughs> they don't at take the very, that well. Yeah. At the very least, they throw, you, they, they throw a giant heaping fine at you, right? Mm -hmm. And in this economy, you're... You're fucked. You're fucked, right? And if you consider speech to involve more than just the shit that you say but the shit that you do like dance and yeah. you know or make it video games or whatever yeah you know the censorship isn't just about oh, i'm a free speech i'm a you know whatever you know it's it's about the ability to express yourself and you can't even get that yeah you know no you can't and even if it's not politics, it's economics. Like during the pandemic, the performing arts centers in Penang didn't, didn't survive. Penang no, Pack no. didn't survive. No, they all got fucked. Mm. And now if you try to use the Pack, they're fucked. Like, they're still holding up now. Right. For fuck's sake. It took and because, you know, it's, it's the pandemic, live shows can't really survive. But no. it, it really demonstrates the fact that, you know, if one system doesn't fuck you, doesn't doesn't collapse another one doesn't but they're both joined at the hip all the fat cats in the in the economic side and all the politicians in the political side they know each other they're friends with each other fuck they probably fuck each other it's probably so you know they mm. they'll, they'll double team you you know <laughs> they will they will make you do ass to ass <laughs> <laughs> right ass to ass you know because either Either free speech is dangerous or free speech is not profit profitable, or they will make it unprofitable. Which is, they've succeeded in yeah. one of the close, I mean, clo closing down crackouts for me was like one of the biggest tragedies. We're still KM. suffering from it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm glad, because in some, not the glad, the glad, but they're saying it's like, ever since it's been closed, I'm seeing more comedy shows pop up. Right. Like scattered, but still. Right. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. But uh, but at the same time, it's like it was like oh, it's the OG, it's the 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 mecca, the, yeah, the, the little space that people came yeah. to talk about, do shit jokes and dick jokes and just be cool for a couple of minutes and then fuck off. Crack hoes died for your comedy sins. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> it's the thing about the thing about the crack house um, that that. <laughs> It, it, it's it's funny because it's not just Malaysians. No. It's not just Malaysians. Because a, a visiting comic from two, no, three visiting comics from Manila. Mm. I was driving them around, and, or my, our friends were driving them around, and I'm like, can we see the crack house? I was like, it's closed. Like, yeah, but we just want to see it. We just want to see it. Take some pictures so that we can remember it. 
And it was, oh, and, it, and it was like visiting a grave. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying. It was like going to a gravesite. You know, I'm surprised you didn't put down, well, not flowers because we're comedians, maybe a dildo, you know? A dildo. A couple, Just, couple used condoms. Yeah, yeah. Nick the supply. <laughs> you know, something just hilarious. But it was just everybody mourns when they come to KL and they hear about the crack house. It's mm. just, can we see it? That was my fun weekend activity. It was yeah. always check out what's crack house doing. Yeah, what's happening? Who's showing? Who's coming? Yeah. Who's doing, having a show right now? That, that used to happen all the time in the, in the good old days. They'll be like, here's the money for the ticket. Who's showing tonight? Didn't even ask. Yeah. Even as who's on, they pay the money first and then they ask. And that's just the thing about free speech and comedy. Sometimes it's not about the politics. It's not about, you know, it's simply about, do you have a thing that you need to get off your chest? Yeah. Right? It's about exercising your shadow. Yeah. <laughs> Which your shadow got real fat. And yeah. over the pandemic, oh, Jesus. Oh, my shadow was like, yeah. Yeah, I know. It just started getting like, it, it just enveloped everybody. Yeah. Right. And Lord knows we tried the Zoom call, the Zoom show. It was so bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. It was, just so it was not great. It was sad. It was sad. The only comedian who made it work was Dane Cook. <laughs> not Dalisa Chaponda. He's a Malawian. Okay. And his hack was basically to do the Zoom comedy like it was YouTube. No yeah. pauses for the applause. Ah, all right. right. It's just one after another, mm. almost as if he was doing his own cu jump cuts. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That worked. Yeah. Fuck. So it doesn't give you any time to process. And that rapid comedy is exactly what you need when you have a screen. Mm. Judging by the way to wrap this segment up, judging by the way everything is unfolding, mm. and my concept about maybe some things should be held sacred and not be laughed at mm. and some things were supposed to be laughed at mm. laugh as much as you can and fuck them up as much as you can in your own mind mm. the next this decade and possibly the decade following mm. it seems to be getting worse because now the freedom of speech has kind of morphed into it's kind of more kind of gone away in a mm. sense uh, you it, it has come to the policing the social media and mm -hmm. the big brother kind of a shit mm -hmm. that you can be reported for what you said somewhere yeah. something posted something somewhere and lose your job over it and it's getting bad now because now it's like no longer about the freedom of speech it's more about make sure you don't hurt your feelings and somebody's feelings by misgendering them for, for like even accidentally and uh Make sure the jokes that you do. Have you heard Christian jokes? I try not have to. You, I mean, yeah, some I of them are not bad, but yeah, it's these like Christian we, cults come and sit around and like but say, it's like, "Let's do a joke that is actually like polite." Yeah, and, and and polite jokes can be fun, but like let's do a joke that's not meant to be hurtful to any ethnicity. Right. And does your jokes follow these guidelines? And right. you're like, well, you're you're killing comedy now because. It's like, like Bill Burr's comedy, for example, for me, is like kind of has like became, he became very successful. Mm. Granted, he earned it. 
But the, I feel like at times I'm looking at him like, I think he's much more cautious now regarding what he says. He will not go to Dave Chappelle. No. He will not go to Louis C.K. anymore. Louis C.K. only goes to Louis C.K. now. Uh, Dave Chappelle does a Dave Chappelle now. Bill Burr doesn't do what Bill Burr did 10 years ago, which is that much more of a cutthroat, mm. in-your-face, bare-knuckle bare kind of a thing. Mm. Um, he's much more careful because now it's like the free speech is kind of gone to like, yeah, you can say whatever you like, but as long as you listen to what I say and listen to the guidelines. Well, it's like that's what it's turning into. And it's going to become worse. You're going to, make, you're going to have to make a distinction between... Um, you're going to have to make a distinction between political correctness for the sake of political correctness, for the sake of, you know, guarding your bottom line. Yeah. And being considerate for people in a way that doesn't compromise your comedy. Because there's a way to do it. The, 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 the difference is that your average old head comedian who's done this for a very long time, they don't have time to, to learn from like a transgender comedian. Yeah. Like, what are your insecurities? Yeah. Right? What I feel like Dave Chappelle would have both made fun of transgender people and won them over if he had just gotten like more like lady boy writers. I'm <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. No, I don't think that would be the case. No. I think it's the whole climate itself is that especially the social media aspect of it is that 90% of the people who are angry are on social media, maybe 95 of them. I mean, yes, Twitter is a shithole. But that's just but that. It's like, I'm a transgender who's just going to tweet something out, then I'm going to go to eat my pizza. Yeah, no, but, pizza. okay, here's the thing. You can't give up on that. Yeah. Here's my personal opinion, okay? Yeah. That there is a way to make the jokes, but only they know them. And you're only going to know those, you know, you're only going to know how to make fun of, like, if you're like a trans woman, but you want to be a sperm donor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's a thing that happens. Okay? Yeah. And that's a thing that, because I want to be a mom, but I got to jizz into a cup. Right? Yeah. So I'm going to put on the best makeup and my hair and my, and my new tits. <laughs> and I'm going to go to the sperm bank and jizz in a cup because I want a baby. I want to be a mom. It is yeah. such a ridiculous yeah right. There's this you know there's this comedian. Um, I, I, it's been a long time ago, but it was brought up by this other YouTuber called um, uh, Contrapoints. Right? Mm -hmm. Contrapoints is like he's she's such a revered trans woman YouTuber. See, everybody just calls her mommy. <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah because she's so she's she's so intelligent and also ridiculously funny. Right? Mm -hmm. Like her, 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 the meme that she created about being a trans woman is that, you know, the feminine penis, don't dismiss the mouth feel. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's perfect. It's perfect. You could make jokes like this, but you have to know people. That's my, that's my, like, you can't, okay, as a comedian, you can't take things too personally if people go on after you. You are a comedian after all. Yeah. You do this to other people. You can't get salty if other people give you shit too. Okay. If you want to make f fun of other people, you're going to really have to know them first. Yeah. That's the distinction. 
Occasionally, I make fun of Indian people, mm -hmm. right? But that's because I know them. Mm -hmm. I'm half Indian myself, but that doesn't, that's not enough. Yeah. You really have to know them. You really have to know your struggles. I used to make jokes about Indian people essentially being gangsters, right? Yeah. Like my Malay side, my Indian side keeps trying to rob me. My Malay side's too lazy to fight back. That's why I'm broke, <laughs> right? But I was a little lazy because people didn't like, oh, I don't know if I should laugh at this. Yeah. Right? And, but these days, it, if I want to make jokes about like, if I want to make jokes about Indian people, it's going to have to be on behalf of Indian people for their cause. Mm -hmm. Right? Because it's like, you know, I can get away with going through a roadblock, but if, you know, Prakash follows me, he's gonna die in a lockup or some <laughs> shit, right? Yeah. Because it's true. That's the shit that happens, right? Yeah. You know, and it still doesn't work sometimes because I don't know how to nail the tone. Yeah. I mean, people will still be like, what are you? Are you for this? Yeah, are you against you, this? Guess, you have yeah. to really nail the tone. I, mean, yeah. I tried to make jokes about uh, uh, Nagendra Damalingam, who was a boy who was a man, but he was mentally challenged and they hung him for smuggling drugs. In Singapore, yeah. In Singapore. And I'm like, you know, it's... I tried to make a joke to help people ad admit to themselves how terrible it is. But I feel like at that point, I was just... I was just telling people shit they already know, which is why they didn't laugh. Yeah. Right? I don't know how to nail the tone. And if I don't know how to nail the tone, I shouldn't do it. Yeah, well, it kind of, yeah, that's good. That, yeah. Maybe that's some, some, one of the issues is that sometimes do people, people would make a joke, but the problem is that you made a joke, but you understand it. Yeah, but it's not enough to just have good intentions. Right? Yeah, it's not enough to have good intentions. Those good intentions really have to show through. Yeah. And it can only happen through life experience, right? Yeah. I got this friend called Belen, uh, Belentra, right? Bal, we call him. Yeah. And Bal, if you remember Bal back in the day, he looks like he should be in a gang. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he carries himself with, with, an, with an energy that says, I will fuck you up on general principle. Mm -hmm. He could be in shorts and a t-shirt and sandals just casually walking through the neighborhood. And he's and he still got the demon aura coming off his shoulders like Akuma from Street Fighter Two. It is, <laughs> it is something. But he's got this very and he's and he's very intense and he can get really angry because it's like, you know, he's got very strong principles about what people should be and what yeah. they should do. And he was like, man, why, you know, get into a fight, end up in jail. That's how you become a better comedian. Get life experiences. Fuck a man up. Drink. You know, yeah. fuck up the police, whatever. Wu-Tang! You know? <laughs> and he's not wrong. I mean, let's be real. He's, he's probably just a little, he was probably a little unhinged, but he's not wrong. No. If you're going to be joking about shit, you really should know it. You should know it. You yeah. should know You should it. experience it and deliver it well. Yeah. The thing that people really loved about Anthony Bourdain is that those it was undeniable he knew what he was talking about because yeah. he was there. Yes. You could see he was there. And you could see the love he had for the things that he was in. Other than, you know, getting a really pervy sort of like soap massage in a steam bath to a Turkish bath. Yeah. And he's just cursing the whole time. You know, other than that, 
I, I think people really missed him because it was, if you can imagine a guardian angel that's always reminding you how good you are. Yeah. That's, that was what Anthony Bourdain was to a lot of people. Yeah. There was a certain rawness to him. Yeah. The, not just rawness, but an absolute self-awareness. Yeah. That is like, I don't know shit. Mm. Not that I'm stupid, but I just don't know shit. Right. So teach me and I'll take it in and right. I will take it without bias. Right. And then I'll add my own opinion yeah. on top of it, which kind of made people think they were going through these experiences through him. Yeah. They're like, he's not going there like Anderson Cooper no. or it was like, like, you know, the, you know, the people oh, who put I'm, their, a, I'm yeah. a silver cyborg. Yeah. Hands on my fucking hips. Yeah. Looking like, mm, you know, <laughs> naughty, naughty. No, this is, I cannot believe in the Congo people no, are no. fucking each other. Yes, this no, is no. wrong. This is me and Mr. Cooper are against ass fucking. No, no, you're going <laughs> to sit down at a Vietnamese eating shop. Yeah. And then you like a Vietnamese person. And you're going to drink rice wine until your liver fails. Pretty much. <laughs> Because an old man is like, hey, who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. I'm going to be exactly like they are. Yeah. Follow the rules I've been in Rome, do as Romans do. Right. I'm going to do exactly that. I, a lot of people... And that's what made him good. I'm very skeptical about people who want to live this sort of like boho, tough guy, Hunter S. Thompson style. Yeah. You know, as an aesthetic. Right. Yeah, yeah, because there are people who have it, and yeah. then there are people who don't, but pretend. Yeah. And uh, um, look at me, I'm Mr. Adventurous and shit, right? I'm down in the dumps of eating far yeah. by the roadside, look at me. But it's very different when, it's very different from when you're in over your head and you still love the people around you because they're just as human as you are. Yeah. And... You know, I think as comedians, we, we gotta be like that. We can't be on our pedestal mocking the people, you know, that we think are stupid. Yeah. Or we don't understand because it's like, we don't. We, we don't really. No. And you can't tell people, you can't make people laugh at the things that they already know if you don't really understand what they're going through. Yeah. And you'll know it because they won't be laughing when you tell the joke. Yeah. You know that the while ago you said there was you were talking about one of your chef friends being friends with Bourdain and not Bourdain being friends with the comedians mm. and then you were talking about how interesting it is that comedians and chefs always tend to get along well together. yeah they do that was a point you made and I thought about that for a little while and number one thing that came to my head is that you have to be crazy. Because to do that kind of a job. Right. To, because a chef is in a very tight space with a bunch of other dudes mm -hmm. sweating his fucking ass off, trying mm -hmm. to cook your fucking beef before and mm -hmm. in the, which is, takes about eight hours and mm -hmm. take it in 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And has to deal with all those things. And he would create it. And then there's this also the reciprocal and the reward system involved in it, which is, you create something and it's in front of you. It's either going to work or it doesn't. Yeah. You either, you and same with the joke. You're going to go on the stage practically alone. Yeah. Even when the light hits you yeah. and you don't see the crowd, yeah. you're fucking alone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when you're not, and when you cook 
your food is not good. Yeah. <laughs> and when the joke is not good, yes. you are actually alone out yeah. there. When yeah. you say something and you don't have a response yeah. back, you're like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> you are shitting yourself because the guy who paid a lot of money to watch you perform, whether it's on the stage or on the plate, yeah, you, you just fucked it you up. You just if fucked the food it up. Comes back to the kitchen. Yeah, you fucked up. Yeah, you? and there is no kindness. There no. is no kindness to your failure. It doesn't matter that you work for hours on the dish, or you, or you, or you. What you created was shit, and yeah. it was noticed that yeah. it's shit. Right. Yeah. Sometimes the customer might be at fault, but yeah. nine times out of ten, mostly yeah. it's not. And in both cases, it's because they drank too much alcohol. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Drunken customers are just oh, not shit. Yeah. Even drunken comedian, the drunken yeah. comedian comedy audience are like, oh, oh they're gonna no. start fucking heckling. Yeah. They're gonna keep repeating. They're gonna talk back with you. Yeah, they're like yeah. oh, that's no. not gonna be What's a fun show, is it? Right now, but that's the same mentality of a comedian and a chef. The people mm. who are particularly damaged because you yeah. every chef story like I read I read like chefs that follow is Marco Pierre White and yeah. Anthony Bourdain yeah. don't you really care much about Gordon, Gordon Ramsay uh, fucking bloated fucking <laughs> pork crackling uh. <laughs> just uh, he is that they are all fundamentally fucked in the head in some sense right and uh, but and you require that drug Mm -hmm. Which is this something that is very bare bones. Yeah. And you want to see results right in front of you immediately. Mm -hmm. Something that you will sweat and bleed over. Mm -hmm. The stakes are quite high. Mm -hmm. And then you see what you get at the end of it. And we're doing it with a medium that is very, very limiting on the onset. Yeah. And we're trying to craft something beautiful out of it. Yeah. Right? There's just like comedy the mechanism is is very simple you add enough sugar salt fat and acid in something and you know you make, make sure it's umami enough or yeah. whatever and it doesn't matter if it's junk people are going to eat it yeah. right so the so the 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 base components are very simple in, as far as flavor is concerned yeah right but then you have all of these ingredients that you've got to work with you got to know how to cook them you got to know how to prep them you got to know where to buy them so you don't get you don't get cheated. Yeah. Right? You know, like my brother when he did a food fair for the tackler, mm -hmm. he went out to a fish farm in the middle of the ocean mm -hmm. to get fish, right? Mm -hmm. And then he ikajimed it, which is like you slaughter the fish basically. Mm -hmm. And he hauled three thousand bucks worth of sea fish to make uh to make a ceviche. Okay. <laughs> to make a ceviche, to make a ceviche, and to to a lightly smoked sashimi dish. Okay. Right. And when he got there, all the way, he realized that the venue didn't have chiller space. So now he's got to go to this fellow chef. He's like, "Hey, yo, bro, can I use some chiller space?" I'm like, "Yeah, well, I should use some chiller space." We, I don't know why they didn't give you chiller space, but yeah, you can use ours. It's fine. Jesus Christ. Man. So now he's, he's now he's just improvising solutions on the fly because the venue is not, you know, is not rising to the occasion. Yeah. And he pulls it off, right? Mm -hmm. It is quite easily a $200 dish. Uh, if you sold it in a restaurant, this would be very expensive. But then he looks onto the other stations, right? They're ser serving bar food. Yeah. Things on skewers, deep fried simple shit, shit, simple shit. 
And when he comes back, he is exhausted. He is covered in sweat. He's slopping down, right? Like lighting up. And he's <laughs> like, like, why do I do this? <laughs> why, why did do I, I care? Why do I why did I work so hard? <laughs> why do I care? Why do I care so much? Because you like, think you want to give something more. Yeah. And and I'm like, oh jeez. Sometimes like, a bar food. And in my head, I food. in my head I'm like, oh god, we really are related. Fuck. Yeah. Because I have done the exact same thing, but on the stage, like, why did I go so hard <laughs> <laughs> to a crowd of five? <laughs> you know, fucking hell, dude. It's just that. Really, for me, is the is is true comedy. As far as you know, for that for me, it's not so much comedy, but the comedian itself, or the real comedian. Yeah, you know, never mind comedy. Comedy is an uncontrollable force. All you're trying to do is pluck a little piece out of it at a time, just so that you know you can do this. You're borrowing power from this natural phenomena. Yeah, that ultimately doesn't care about you, and you know this, so you take the risk. Yeah, it's right. ultimate heroin. Yeah, in that sense that and you and you might do it to speak truth to power, and you might. And or it might get misused, and you know Donald Trump gets elected. There's no control of this. There is no control. A, you, your life is chaos, and it it is that very specific kind of mental damage that awakens you to the idea that oh shit, life really is just fucking chaos, mm. and all you can do is just mitigate. Just laugh at it as much as you can. You must imagine that Sisyphus is is happy. Yeah. No, oh, beautifully said. Right, you must imagine Albert Camus. You must imagine, yeah, yeah. You must imagine Sisyphus. The myth of Sisyphus. Yeah, yeah. brilliant book. Yeah, which is we must go to it laughing, whatever it may come. Yeah, because the world doesn't make any sense and doesn't give a shit about. Doesn't give a shit about you. So you might as well enjoy yourself and laugh and laugh. So with regards to free speech, I I think I think that's 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 why it's so important. Because that's all you got. It's all you got to fucking say what you want to say. Yeah, whether it's comedy, whether it's drama, music, dancing, or you know, food. The only thing you have control over is what the fuck you think and say. And you notice that in governments that are particularly bad, or in countries that are failing, free speech disappears around the same time food does. Oh yeah, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's... the food shortages happen around the same time they make they tell you to shut up. Yeah, if you take away the food, right? Crack house got shut down around the same time the prices for food went up. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah, it did. Fuck yeah, it did. Right now, everything is like skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's the real that's cru- something that you would be making joke about. That'll be that's that's the ultimate cruelty. That thing you do with your mouth, you can't put anything in it, and nothing is allowed to come out. Yeah. Well, with that, I think we can wrap this segment up. Mm-hmm. No, enjoy laughing, people. <laughs> because it's all you got. Because it's all you got. <laughs> Whatever may come, go to it laughing. There you go.